I'm John Hall. This is Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint, and this is anything but normal. Welcome to the show, and unless you live under a rock and this show is the only way you get news, you know that we're in the middle of a global pandemic for the COVID-19 virus. So it seems like not too long ago in the beer world, there were memes about Corona bottles wearing surgical masks, and now we're being asked to isolate at home. It's a real threat, and it's come to our states and our towns, and it's having a huge impact on the brewing industry. Breweries are being shut down and prohibited from operating in their tap rooms. Some are offering to go options. Uh, some are you know, trying to bring in money um, by doing deliveries to make up for the lost business. And others have already laid off or furloughed employees. Closures are likely to come. Conferences like the annual Craft Brewers Conference and the biannual World Beer Cup have been called off for this year. Festivals like Hunapu Day and Embrace the Funk have also been canceled. And it's going to get worse. As the economy suffers, war cases come to light, places could stay closed for longer, and that could lead to even more brewery closures. The news is moving so fast, and so it seemed odd to just do a regular show this week. So I'm switching it up. I've been talking with brewers from around the country as part of the Beer Edge coverage. Go to BeerEdge.com. And we've recorded some of these interviews, so you'll hear some of those, starting with Patrick Rue from The Brewery, and then Andy Crouch is going to show up. He's going to chime in with an interview that he did with attorney Michael Boyer, and after that, we head down south to talk to Sean Lilly Wilson of Fullstein Brewery, and then I'm going to wrap up the show welcoming back Andy so that we can talk about what we have planned going forward, not only for this show, but our coverage in general. Does that make sense? Good. Let's get started. California was one of the first states to really impart drastic measures on bars, restaurants, and tap rooms. So I called up Patrick Grew, the founder of the brewery, to find out how they were doing. And it turns out that not only does he have to worry about the beer side of things, but also his new winery. And since he's currently in Napa doing all sorts of crazy things with vino, that's where I started. Here's the conversation. How's the wine industry handling all of the shutdowns right now? Um, well, since uh, Governor Newsom told us to close all of our tasting rooms, um, not super good. You know, I'm getting a lot of emails about um, uh, free shipping. So uh, I think everybody's <laughs> kind of switching to some of the opportunistic online. companies. Yeah. 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 Just, um, you know, trying to get trying to still sell wine while nobody's visiting, uh, which is tough to do. But and what about to, on the do what you can. and what about on the beer front? On the beer front, I think it's I think it's much worse. Um, I think the tasting rooms are such a huge part of breweries' revenue um, that um, you know so many small breweries probably get you know the majority of the revenue over across the bar. Um, so I think it's it's a real disaster for small breweries. For wineries, you know, it's um, uh, once people visit, they tend to you know continue buying the wine. So it's, um, you know, they end up being a club member, you know, they get it shipped, they only visit once a year. But if you're um, a consumer at a brewery, you're probably going, you know, probably going to a brewery once a week kind of thing. So repeat visits are pretty important. One of the things that I've always been curious about or have been curious about within the last couple of days, though, is, is breweries in California. You're not unaccustomed to disaster. There's always the threat of earthquake. Uh, there's fires. There's you know, 
floods sometimes depending on where you are um i mean there's just the the general sense of living in california as well um when you have something like this happen can you adapt other disaster plans that you have on the books or is this totally different um this is totally different because we don't well it's revenue shuts down entirely for the most part um we don't know when we're able to start selling again um so it's um uh, it's unclear on you know how long you have to continue operations going or you know what you should be brewing right now to um to be able to sell at you know some undetermined time so i think there's just a, a ton of uncertainty where you know an earthquake happens you know bad damage you know you're going to be out for a few months doing construction or whatever um you kind of have an idea of how long it'll take uh, to get back up and going. But uh, for this, we just have no idea. So you're known for a lot of big, boozy beers. Uh, you started doing lagers recently as well. Um, but beers that have a little bit more time to them. So sure, what's yeah. your what's your plan right now? Are you just going to keep stuff in barrels? Are you just going to keep stuff in tanks? Are you going to try to keep going as business as usual? Um, you know, I'm spending most of my time on the, on the wine project. So I don't know exactly what the brewery is, uh, is doing, but I imagine, um, yeah, most of the schedule has probably changed to, to beers that are distribution oriented. Um, no, not, uh, not for sale over our bar and, um, um, you know, stockpiling our, our barrels, assuming uh, we can get barrels, uh, you know, new barrels in stock. Um, so I think, you know, you kind of, fill up your uh, brew schedule as much as you can. And, and, uh, and at some point you got to stop and uh, take a breather until you can sell it. As far as the supply chain goes, right? Because you do bring in a lot of barrels for the brewery. If, if the supply chain halts on, on some of those levels in the interim, you know, cause depending on where they're coming from or, um, you know, who's working where and, 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 and whatnot, are there, there's the potential for long-term ripple effects for a brewery like yours that, does rely on time yeah yeah absolutely um yeah we'll see we'll see what happens <laughs> there's a lot of folks out there who know your beer uh who know you and uh you know appreciate your your standing in the industry for the beer drinker out there right now what do you want them to know about what's happening you know, inside businesses like yours and what can they do? Uh, yeah, I guess, you know, the, the biggest thing is, uh, you know, we, we, lo we love seeing you come to our tasting rooms and uh, that's not able to happen right now. Uh, so any opportunity you have to, to support a local brewery by buying, uh, if they're offering, you know, their beers online, if you're able to do that or buy a gift card, uh, that all certainly helps because, um, you know, it's, uh, it's all about just keeping, keeping employees uh, getting paid and, um, trying to be as, you know, continue operations as normally as possible. But uh, that only happens if someone's buying the beer. And tell me just a little bit about this wine project that you're working on. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so it's called Erosion Wine Company, and we are doing uh, fairly unconventional wines. Uh, we're taking a non-Appalachian, non-varietal, non you know, vintage approach. Uh, so doing flavor driven wines, so trying to achieve a flavor target that rather than, you know, expressing some sort of place. Um, so all of our wines are coming from Napa Valley from all over the Valley. And, um, 
we're incorporating ingredients such as uh, vanilla bean and cacao and uh, lemon zest, you know, adding ingredients whenever it makes sense and whenever it can uh, make a wine more interesting. What drew you to that concept? Um, you know, wine is so traditional. Um, I think it's starting to change a little bit, but um, I see a, a huge opportunity and, um, you know, being able to introduce some new um some new kind of experiences with wine, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, and are they available yeah. now? Uh, sort of, yeah. Uh, <laughs> on our website, um, erosion.wine, we are, uh, I think tomorrow we're opening up our web store and um, we'll be selling our crowlers or 750 milliliter cans. Um, of wine? We'll, of wine, yeah. We'll be shipping for now just within California and then hopefully within two weeks we'll be... Um, everywhere wine is able to be look uh, at you the optimist talking about two weeks from now <laughs> we'll see unless i'm like locked up in uh, in my house and <laughs> unable to come here and blend and package but we'll see what happens well i hope that doesn't happen but uh patrick thanks as always for taking the time and i'm sorry that i'm not with you in person to uh clink glasses but social distancing yeah. is important right now and hopefully i'll totally. see you on the other side of this sounds good thanks john i really appreciate it good luck thanks cheers cheers all right, let's switch gears. There are a lot of things to worry about in a business shutdown, and the legal aspect is a big part of that. Andy Crouch, the co-founder and publisher of Beer Edge, filed this report and interview. Lawyers often get a bad reputation as pugilists, always itching for an expensive fight. And while some lawyers live up to this caricature, most are simply looking to find smart and effective solutions for their clients. Attorney Michael Boyer is a pragmatist, in his practice as the managing partner at Carolina Craft Legal based in North Carolina, Boyer represents small and medium-sized breweries throughout the state. He focuses on business and regulatory law and prides himself on helping clients find solutions to their legal and business issues that are as innovative and creative as the beers they produce. He helps breweries get started, from the formation stage through problem-solving, as they continue to grow. But he's never seen anything like the coronavirus. He first started hearing from clients with concerns about the virus outbreak back in mid-February. One brewery that was particularly strategic and forward-looking was hearing rumblings about issues abroad. Then in late February and early March, the other clients started to get a bit concerned as well. They were talking finance issues, the stock market, and how it might impact supply chains. In the last 72 hours, he's heard from nearly every one of his clients. The situation is so fluid right now that his advice is evolving in real time as world and local events collide. As of Tuesday afternoon when we recorded our interview, Boyer was monitoring quickly changing events and contemplating the advice he's giving clients when analyzing their situations. On Twitter, Boyer's been a vocal critic of the delayed closure of taprooms and breweries, viewing the situation as more of a moral one than a legal one in terms of preserving the safety of the community but he's also very aware of the financial challenges facing many small breweries, especially those focused on the own-premise or taproom model. We started the discussion by noting how different cities and states around the country have responded to the emerging public health situation, with some like San Francisco and Boston ordering closures of bars and restaurants, while others, including his home state of North Carolina, have delayed that decision. I asked him how he's advising clients who are wrestling with the issue of whether to stay open or to close in the absence of a state or local mandate? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. Um, and obviously anybody who's kind of paying attention to my timeline would have a pretty transparent view of what my opinion is on the should question. 
Uh, there is, again, the legal imperative, the legal obligations. Once you get past that, it's what should you do? And personally, um, I like to think of my clients uh, and my relationship with them as being very long term. And to that end, I like to think longer term with these decisions. So to the extent uh, there is any amount of financial wherewithal, my advice is to think about what contribution um, one is making to the overall, um, I guess, push to medical facilities and those first responders and what their role may be in contributing to the spread uh, of the virus if they remain open. And that's, a, a, again, a difficult question to really answer because uh, there's an indirect nexus, right? We may never really know, except in really extended, you know, particular circumstances. Um, but my my view is that, you know, if you if you've got the dry powder and if you can uh, rally and marshal your resources, your stakeholders, that you you should take uh, that uh, I guess community oriented focus of craft to heart and begin thinking, you know. A little further down the line than just what is more hand to mouth in, in terms of can I make rent this month, et cetera. And again, I, and I understand how how contentious of an issue that that is. And but I do think that, again, this moment is unlike anything we've ever seen, but there still is light at the end of the tunnel. And I, I think that many of us will look on the other side of this with hindsight being 2020 and some newfound clarity about what decisions should have been made in the best interest of the public that were not. And in particular, uh, those made or not made within our community of, of breweries and bars and retailers. And so I do have a very frank discussion with, um, with him about that. And in fact, you know, maybe half an hour before you called, I uh, just got done having that exact conversation. And surprisingly, it hasn't been as contentious as I anticipated it would be. People do recognize that. It again, it's one of those things where uh, it's the it's an unknown. Uh, but I certainly, once we get past the I guess the fundamental principles of what you are legally authorized and obligated to do or not do, uh, and we're comfortable with that conversation, um, it's tough. But we do get in the weeds uh, more of an ethical you know, ethically minded discussion. When it comes down to sort of looking at the practicality of the situation and assuming, as I presume will happen, that a lot of these places are required to close to the public for a week, two weeks, two months, some period of time, what is your advice to clients in terms of, you know, sort of balancing their legal obligations versus, you know, going to the four corners of a contract or a lease versus talking, as I think you noted, to the stakeholders, to the people involved? Yes. My advice is really one rooted in self-awareness and understanding the story that we're all writing together. And I think I mentioned to you when we were going back and forth that this is a once in several generations sort of event, extremely rare. And when it comes to looking to the four corners of a legal document for recourse, um, and trying to find where, gonna, where you're going to dig your trenches, so to speak, I think oftentimes it's really difficult to zoom out and 
um, act with a little more self-awareness and realize that we are all in this moment together. It is a very ubiquitous moment. We are not going to find very many instances of two parties to a contract that could potentially be adverse um, that are operating under the same facts and circumstances. And so the, on, the, on a, I guess, a more practical uh, line of thinking, I'm just encouraging my clients and even those, you know, other colleagues that I talk to, uh, to have discussions with those people that you're directly connected with either via contract or just in a business relationship and recognize the common ground out loud so that you are working towards a more um, solution oriented uh, pattern of behavior together. So for example, um, most, if not all, um, tap room oriented breweries and definitely not all, but most have a landlord. Most are not, you know, um, in a position where they own the real estate and have that resource uh, and collateral to work with. So they do answer directly to a landlord. And while um, we're aware of certain contractual provisions that may um, relieve the obligation to pay rent or perform under the contract, uh, finding that legal basis and digging that trench uh, as a primary objective is not always the best way to uh, see the fuller picture and think longer term, because again, that landlord is operating under the same facts and circumstances as that as that tenant. Uh, so the same thing when it comes to lenders, uh, those that um, may be responsible for debt service payments, uh, or even uh, may have an opportunity to extend in the way of very cheap money or lines of credit. Um, Again, looking at the facts and circumstances that are available to us and recognizing that we're collectively in that moment. And for the many breweries that have uh, investors, either active or, or passive, uh, figuring out ways to bring those stakeholders to the table and uh, use it as an opportunity to paint that long-term picture again and um, bring them to the table to, to figure out what is gonna be, you know, how are we gonna triage our problems and how are we going to, to act uh, in accord to get to the other side. And it is, you know, I, I know that this, what I'm saying may have the luxury of, uh, I guess, more patience, more discipline, uh, more long-term thinking than some feel like they have right now, but it is still a healthy exercise because it's very easy, as I'm sure you know, to, to be in your head when things start kind of going down around you. It's easy to get isolated uh, and to think in very short sentences instead of taking a moment to get it, to get out of it and really find the people that are there to help you ultimately. And I think in particular reference to um, landlord and tenant relationships, I think, you know, even if we ignore what may be a very strong federal response to support businesses and, um, and employees and, you know, in the current moment, I think just looking in the abstract at, you know, the landlord really is looking for a dependable tenant, right? And routine payment. Um, and it's not likely that there is an alternative. So from that perspective, it would seem unlikely that a landlord's in, you know, first instinct or inclination is going to be to um, consider a default on a, on a lease agreement. And to that end, stepping forward with some confidence and some knowledge that this moment is one that is ubiquitous and 
having a solution oriented state of mind is usually the difference between positive and negative outcomes in my experience. Have you or your clients already started having these conversations with, with landlords and other stakeholders and how has the response been so far? A- absolutely. Um, and I'll be able to tell you in better detail in a few hours. I think most, most conversations that, um, I've been involved with in, you know, in advance of a discussion with the landlord or happening either as we're having this conversation or later this afternoon, um, because that has, this is the first in North Carolina, as you mentioned, we are eyeballing a total shutdown of dine-in options. Uh, and that's going to apply to brewery tap rooms, et cetera, starting at 5 PM tonight. So certainly that, that sort of top-down action from the government, is making things a little more palpable for all involved. So I'll be able to um, discuss that in better detail, you know, on the other side. Uh, For the couple of clients that have the benefit of not uh, leasing or renting their property, um, this discussion has been more about how to maintain the livelihood of their employees. What are the issues that you expect to be looking at uh, most closely in the next you know, 48 hours to a couple of days, because obviously this has changed so much in such a short period of time. It's you know, difficult to talk about what things look like in a week, two weeks, or two months. But what is the near term, besides what we've already spoken about, that you're advising your clients to take a look at, or you're keeping in the front of your mind as something that you need to take a closer look at? Um, Man, and I hope I'm answering this question. So if you had asked me 24 hours ago, it would have been more geared towards what is what is the state going to do and how are they going to move and how does that going to affect the way that um, my clients you know, matriculate through this moment. Now that we know that there is some certainty around that and that there is going to be uh, some non-trivial amount of support forthcoming, I think the next 24 to 48 hours are going to be really geared towards making sure that everybody understands how to take advantage of what's what's proffered um, at a federal and state level. And until I see what's going on in that direction, a little more specifically, it's hard to hard to say what exactly I will be thinking about. Um, But certainly just more in the abstract, I think that this this moment and I was talking to one client in particular yesterday, this moment has been reminiscent of um breweries and other operations that are more oriented in uh tourist driven areas and in north carolina specifically the western part of the state is um well known for that um the appalachian mountains blue ridge trail um Asheville situated uh in a very beautiful part of that and those that are sort of even more remote further up the mountain have get a taste of this sort of um drying up of their tap room come every winter and this moment has given some real i guess is given me some real vision into well how critical is it for a business to consider uh diversification of their business model as something that is not necessarily a luxury but as uh is absolutely necessary to protect some viability when an unforeseen circumstance, an act of God, if you will, occurs like this that creates such a massive slowdown in the market. So I personally will be thinking a lot about that and what that means, um, what that means for North Carolina's franchise law uh, as it continues to evolve and, and, and topics that are kind of tangential to that. 
Michael, I want to thank you for taking the time. I know things are probably crazy busy right now, and I look forward to speaking with you in the future. Thank you very much for your time. Andy will be back in just a few minutes. But first, down south, the shutdown hasn't really happened yet in the ways that New York or Illinois or California or others have. But that hasn't stopped Sean Lilly Wilson from taking the steps that he knew would eventually come. He's the chief executive optimist of Full Steam Brewery in Durham. And it's a title that brings a smile. Optimism isn't something we have a lot of these days. And so I started off by asking him about the word and its place in our COVID-19 world. What are you optimistic about right now? Well, sometimes chief executive optimist is a, a reminder to myself, um, be that guy or, uh, you know, remember to think about the, the, the bright side. And it's challenging for sure. Uh, I mean, are so there bright I, sides I, right now? Um, I think that size says it all, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you have to think about it, then, um, possibly, uh, it's, it's hard right now. And, um, and I think optimism often is looked at in a, uh, in, in time frames and, you know, are we optimistic right now? Will we op be optimistic down the line? And, um, you know, I, I'd, I'd extend that sigh for, uh, the short term and the long term right now, you know, um, but I'm endeavoring to be that person, to be that leader and to to see us through. Right now, we're seeing closures around the country, California, parts of the Midwest, New York. It hasn't come to North Carolina yet. And granted, five minutes from after we hang up this this call or <laughs> 20 minutes after this goes live out to the to the world, uh, that could all change. But right now, it's still business as usual for you on a Tuesday morning? It was uh, Monday night, and it won't be Tuesday afternoon. Um, so we have made the decision to close our tavern and to continue offering uh, curbside service of beer and food to go. And you're and, doing um, this independent of the we state? Are. Yeah, we are. We are. And we've seen other uh, breweries take uh, more proactive uh, steps other businesses uh, around us. Uh, we, we have been uh, of the mindset of like, let's, let's comply with current regulations and uh, be nimble and opportunistic. Um, but uh, I think the big turn for me was the, the uh, asymptomatic uh, news where uh, it just enters a different uh, consideration. My mind goes in different places when you realize the potential of people getting sick without showing any signs of, of illness. And uh, uh, and then also staff expressing concerns. And, and then it's just like, you know, I don't, uh, we, we've got to be more proactive. So when you say staff expressing concerns, because obviously right now the, the restaurant and the hospitality industry is about to, in the midst of taking a pretty strong hit, people are worried about their livelihoods, but you were also having conversations with folks where at, at your place where they were worried about their health as well. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, it's inevitable when you have um, any right now on this day, you know, when you have any uh, people coming into the tavern that you haven't already vetted. And so um, eliminating that uh, is, is uh, one one way to uh, uh, ameliorate staff concerns and to try to keep things moving that combined with the, the curbside uh, beer and uh, food to go service that we're attempting 
and hopefully it'll help. But in the grand scheme of things, as a 7,000, 8,000 barrel brewery, uh, we're in a strange place because uh, we want to be nimble, but we do carry a business model that uh, expects uh, and anticipates restaurant retail orders uh, and distribution. And so um, it's uh, uh, interesting times. So what have you started doing on that front, on your production front? Uh, well, on production, we're – we're uh, we have a healthy bit of inventory, so we're just uh, holding off on uh, on on packaging until necessary, and then uh, you know we have kind of beer in flux, and we're a little bit of wait and see. Uh, uh, one beer in particular, we're going to move forward with um, because it's uh, it's about supporting local farms. You know, at Full Steam, our niche, uh, our passion is to support. Uh, local agriculture, North Carolina agriculture, and we made a golden ale with North Carolina strawberries, all uh, all North Carolina barley, all North Carolina strawberries, and it was to celebrate the um, 25th anniversary of the Piedmont Farm Tour. Uh, unfortunately, that farm tour got canceled, so we're pivoting that beer to a uh, find your local farm uh, mission with our with our collaborators and encouraging people to go use the QR code and the map that's sort of associated with the beer um, to, to go buy food at a local farm. So we're hopeful that we can pivot and make smart decisions that uh, get our beer out there that continue to reflect our passion and our mission, which is um, farms. I mean, we're hit sure as a brewery, but think about all the suppliers and farmers and it it goes so far beyond the, uh, the hospitality industry. As you start to, and, and, I know this is sort of a loaded question, but as you start to think about what comes next or what comes after, you're being forward thinking right now with with beating the state to to a shutdown and and, and pivoting into um, changing beers and and, and their focus or um, you know offering to go food and uh, all of that. H- how far out are you thinking right now? How far out can you think right now about? what this could mean to the business or how this could change your business. Yeah. I mean, there's some, and I don't necessarily mean like, you know, structurally, but you know, also philosophically. No, absolutely. I mean, there's some near term considerations. We have a retail expansion uh, that's part of a kind of a community, a collective of uh, food and beverage businesses in a uh, shipping container, like a reuse shipping container project. That's very, um, customer and kind of, um, you know, it relies on this uh, historical <laughs> business model of, of people socializing. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, I, I, I don't know where that stands right now. I don't, I haven't talked to, uh, we don't know, there's so much we don't know about kind of our plans for this business model of that, that, uh, that third place, you know, are we going to, uh, have to consider and evolve into some sort of fourth place that's like a uh, virtual worlds type thing that 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 uh, I don't it's not for me you know like I I'm I guess I'm struggling because I I, I love what we do I love the the silly parties and and the the fun and the connectedness and the uh, the the impromptu moments uh, that are uh, what a what a what a good healthy, diverse tavern is and has been for us over the past 10 years. And it's why I got into this 
as a uh, tavern and brewery. And so, uh, you know, what does that future look like? How will we continue to express uh, that that passion? Uh, I don't I don't know. Um, I do remain optimistic that we are social creatures and we will find a way. Uh, this business has to find a way as well. Yeah, I think it's going to be a a tough go for a lot of folks. It is. It's going to be hard. Uh, just. Uh, emotionally, and uh, uh, I just encourage us to support each other and and reach out to one another. I've already had some a number of phone calls with food and beverage professionals, um, and we're in the what the hell do we do stage. And uh, as we get beyond that, I know that we're a crafty bunch, a good kind of crafty, not that crafty. <laughs> we're 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 a uh, we're social, we're, we're crafty, we're entrepreneurial and determined. And, and that's, you know, already in just saying that, I feel that kind of like, yeah, we'll, we'll figure out a way because we will. And, um, uh, you know, it's just, it's going to be rocky. The only way out is through. Heard. Sean, thanks so much for sitting down and talking with me, uh, virtually thanks, or over the, uh, the cellular airwaves. I wish I was there uh, hanging out with you in person. I always love hanging out in your tap room. And when all this blows over, I'll come down and we'll do it again. I know we will have that moment and that uh, gives me good optimism. Thank you, sir. All right. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Before we wind up this show, I'm now joined on the phone by Beer Edge publisher and my fellow co-founder, Andy Crouch. Hi, Andy. Hey, John. How you doing? <laughs> About the same as everybody else right now, I think. Yeah. Uh, we've been having conversations uh, together, but also with industry folks for the better part of the last few days. And I'm wondering if you have any key takeaways of where we are right now and where we might be going. Well, it just sort of depends on the moment. Uh, everyone I talk to just seems to be so slammed and overwhelmed by just the fast paced nature of the changing news and how the situation just continues to evolve. And I know in recent years, we really have kind of gotten used to this fast paced news where just it's constantly something new, something new five, 10 times a day. And right now it's really one story, but it's, it's really sprawling out in unexpected ways and changing so quickly with, you know, each jurisdiction and city and town having its own, rules and regulations. And I think we will get to a point here relatively soon of some order where basically all bars and restaurants and places are closed, but for some limited delivery options. And uh, until that take, runs out. Yeah. Yeah. In, yeah, indeed. And, but as of right now, I think we're starting to see, you know, you know, governors and mayors trying to tell people, look, you know, you know, this isn't a mat. This isn't something that's going to go away in a matter of two weeks or so. We were told, you know, schools and daycares and these things will open uh, April third or something like that. Whereas these governors and mayors are now saying, "Look, this is going to be a month-long thing. It's going to take several weeks to months for us to hit the peak of this, and during that time, we're going to see massive economic disruption." So, you know, craft brewing industry and and frankly, you know, capitalism together have never seen anything like this situation. And it's just, it's just starting. So one of the things that we've been doing at Beer Edge for the last few days is we've been, and even well beyond this, has been writing about the COVID-19 
virus and its impacts on the beer industry. And that's something that we're going to continue to do. But we're also, we've been planning for quite a while to launch a Beer Edge-specific podcast, one that focuses on the business of beer, that gets into uh, what's happening in beer at any particular moment, uh, more of like a weekly news show, as it were, as opposed to the show, which has been more one-on-one -on -one interviews or thinking about the philosophy of beer. And it seems like there's no better time than right now to launch that show. And so this Friday, uh, two days from now, we'll be launching the Beer Edge podcast. And Andy, you're going to be the primary host on that. I'll be jumping in and uh, hosting as well. But uh, I know people are ti tired of my voice uh, between here and steal this beer. So um, what do you envision the show being? What, what should people be looking forward to when they tune into the Beer Edge podcast, which will be available on all of the various platforms? I think initially we had wanted to delve into just particular issues on that show and, and talking, talking news and, and such, but just getting in, you know, sort of more detail uh, as opposed to just, you know, just sort of singular interviews, the great one-on-ones that, that you do on your podcast. Now, I think at least for the foreseeable future, you know, we're looking at this as being the defining story of not just the next few months, but potentially the next few years. So I'm sure that we will be covering uh, the COVID situation and all different angles of it uh, from on-premise to off-premise through all of the different supply channels to how it's impacting, you know, people who, you know, were the folks who served us our beer and, you know, let alone all the way down through farmers and, and every aspect of it. So I anticipate we'll be talking a lot about that, but also, you know, we're hoping to just talk about other issues that are important in the beer industry and other news, because at some point here, you know, this story can, you know, not only overwhelm us on social media and overwhelm the news, but just overwhelm us personally. So I think it's important for us not to lose track of uh, the sense of community that has helped define craft beer for generations, uh, our mutual and shared love of flavorful beer. And we'll hopefully be able to come up with some, some solutions and some best practices uh, in talking with uh, interesting and smart and knowledgeable people uh, to hopefully give our audience, both you know, on the consumer and the trade side, some some rays of sunshine, some hope for the future, so yeah. that you know we don't we don't think that our our best days are behind us, or you know we've clinked our last glasses together for the last time. I'm anticipating you know that you know this is going to last us a few months, and then we will you know we'll hopefully come out better and stronger on the other side of this. But in terms of the show, we're excited to talk to smart people and we're, we're excited to get out and hear different perspectives uh, than those that we've heard in, in recent years. And as you and I have talked about for years, the state of beer media is such that this is a vibrant uh, and, and really strong industry, even in you know these dark days and worst of times. And we think that it's important to get out and both create and hopefully support independent beer journalism and beer media so that we can cover these stories and give them uh, you know, the value and the time that they are due. And we certainly appreciate the support of our audience and our sponsors, oh, yeah. uh, whether it's you know, through Drink Beer, Think Beer, uh, or our subscription newsletter, Beer Edge, and hopefully for, with this new podcast as well. So folks in the audience, uh, whether they're in the industry side or in the consumer side, if you have you know, individuals, you people or stories you think we should be covering or talking to, uh, please be in touch. You know, both John and I are available by email. I am Andy at beeredge.com and John is John Hall at beeredge.com. 
We're available on Twitter. Uh, I'm Beer Scribe on Twitter, and John is John underscore Hall. Oh, you know, find us on Facebook. Yeah, probably don't send letters to us right now. Maybe we'll wait for that for a little while. But, uh, you know, we're, we're certainly available and we're, we're more than interested in talking to people. I want to know who you think is going to be sending us stuff through the UPS right now. There's, a, there's always there's always there's always somebody. It's out there, the one right? guy who it's does that. Somebody. Yeah. Well, do you have any good news? Have you heard anything fun this week? I am still getting press releases from people uh, <laughs> talking about their beer event press releases are at least finally slowing down a little bit as I think things dawn on them. But I'm still getting press releases from from very optimistic uh, you know, PR companies and, and, and other marketing folks talking about the new releases for craft brewers. I'm hearing brewers saying, you know, to the extent that they can try to take care of their staffs, I, I'm uh, I'm very impressed by the way both the craft beer community and the passion of the owners uh, and on the consumers have tried to set up GoFundMe sites for for those who you know worked on the other side of the bar uh, who have been laid off and hopefully the government will start to take care of them with some you know with unemployment and payroll benefits. But I think if nothing else, you know, even in the darkest days of craft beer, whether it's you know in the days after 9/11 or or now uh, or the financial crisis in 2008, this community really does come together. And I think that this is you know while going to be some dark days for us, and and certainly going to have some substantial ramifications for a lot of great uh, craft brewers who may not be able to make it through. I think that you know the passion still exists. Uh, the, you know, consumer side is is still strong. People still love craft beer, uh, and the craft brewers themselves are are going to come together and try to help each other. So I think if there's a positive side to it, it is that that spirit endures. I like it. Well, I think it's probably time to start wrapping up this particular episode, this weird hybrid episode. And my thanks to everybody who took time uh, to talk with us uh, on the show today. You guys know the drill. Nate Schweber does the music. Jeff Quinn designed the logo. Andy Crouch is finally launching a podcast this Friday, and you can check it out. It's called the Beer Edge Podcast. As always, you can reach me at John Hall, J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L, at beeredge.com, or you can join the conversation on Twitter at John underscore Hall. And for this particular show, Drink Beer, Think Beer, we're still going to be doing episodes every Wednesday. I have a couple of episodes in the bank, so that means things... Uh, that I recorded before all this madness started. And so to return us to a little bit of normalcy or to at least give us a little sense of normalcy, the next couple of weeks of the show will be one-on-one interviews that get into the philosophy, the business, and the passion of beer, not necessarily under the COVID-19 lens. And we hope that that gives you a little bit of solace in these weird and strange times. And for all of the breaking news, you can just go to beeredge.com or to the new Beer Edge podcast. Andy, thanks again. Thank you, John. And uh, we'll see you back here next week.